Good morning. Are you alive? Thank you so much. You look fantastic, even though I haven't seen most of you. <laughs> There's a statement of faith right there. But uh, it's great for me to be here. It's a privilege. I didn't mean great as in great you can have me here. I just meant it's a privilege to be here. I didn't come out right. Sounds almost arrogant. Jesus, great that I'm here for you. Wow, what a fail. But uh, it's a privilege for me to be here, and I never take it for granted sharing the Word of God. And I know Ben and Amy are away, but I messaged them later uh, early this morning and said, thanks for having me and Tim and the whole team. And so good to be here. Hey, listen, God loves you. I've no idea if you're new to church or maybe you're visiting. You could have come with a friend or a neighbor. I'm not real sure. Uh, If you are new or visiting, City Church is a church that is certainly not perfect, but we love Jesus Christ and we love people. And uh, we're glad you're here. So if it seems a little bit strange, just sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy. I'm going to believe that God's going to speak to you. If this is your church, can I encourage you just to open up your heart? Uh, Don't just kind of settle back and just think to yourself, well, lay it on, preacher boy. What do you got? I want to encourage you to open your heart to the reality of God's presence and His goodness in our lives. It's my 21st year of full-time ministry this year. And the only reason I tell you that is I was reminded last week in our own church, a couple came into our church, never been to church before. And uh, they came in with two kids. And at the end, we gave an altar call and I, I, I was preaching and I could see this guy and I'm like, man, this guy needs to give his life to Jesus. And you know how sometimes in church you have a, I suppose you have a, uh, an unction of the Holy Spirit, like you have a sense. And uh, I just kind of dragged the altar call out a little bit and right at the last dying seconds, this guy lifted his hand up and on the Monday I had lunch with him and just hearing his story, wow, because he just encountered Christ. And see the the love. He's a new Christian. <laughs> you ever remember, remember what it's like to be a new Christian? I'm only saying this for a reason. Sometimes if some of us have been in church for a long time, we can just go through the motions. Man, 21 years I've been doing this and I do not ever want to get into that zone. I want to stay fresh and humble and full of zeal and passion for who Jesus is, what he's about to do. Amen. The expectation in the heart. So Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, I already concur with all the prayers that have been prayed. This morning, Lord, we thank you that you are in our midst. I never, Lord, like to invite you into a room because I'm always aware that you're already there. So I just love to acknowledge your presence, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, like I love to pray privately, I declare it publicly, Lord. I need you, Holy Spirit. Help me articulate your word and help all of us to receive something from you that we might change. In the name of Jesus, every need that is here, Lord, every heart, every tension, every life that is navigating some wrestle and a fight that they're in the middle of, Lord, we thank you that you are still on the throne. And today, Jesus, we want to tell you we love you again. We appreciate you and we thank you for all that you're about to do. If you believe that, can you say right on? Why don't you give somebody a high five and grab your seat? Thank you so much, team. Hey, Clive. Amigo. (laughs) So cool to be here. What a privilege. What an honor it is. I am going to cut straight to the word, if that's all right. You okay with that? 
I'm going to do it anyway. It's weird how preachers say things like that. Are you okay with that? I wasn't really asking. <laughs> preachers do it all the time. Um, I'm just going to get straight to the word and I'm going to believe for God to, to speak to us in Jesus' name. Uh, Acts chapter 27, you, you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to read it out, but you can write it down and read it in your own time just so you make sure I've been preaching from the Bible. But in Acts chapter 27, uh, in particular verse 9 onwards, it's the story of a guy by the name of Paul who is an apostle of faith, one of the greatest men of God to ever live on planet earth. And he is on his way to Rome. Now Rome is a, it's basically the capital of the then known world. It's like an icon of power, of prosperity. It's like every road led to Rome. It's one of those cities that was uh, extremely influential. And Paul in this book of Acts chapter 27, he's, he's on his way to Rome, but he's going as a prisoner to Rome. And we know that Paul had a desire and a passion and a zeal to get to Rome because in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, Paul articulates like he wants to go to Rome. He has a, a desire, he has a dream to one day visit this great, this great city. You can find that in Romans chapter 1 verse 11. But it's pretty safe to say that I don't think Paul anticipated or can envisage himself going to the city that he had a desire for and a dream for going in chains. I don't think he envisaged that. You ever had something you're believing God for, or maybe it's a dream or something you're just pursuing in life and on the way to getting there, it's not how you pictured it. (laughs) Anyone like that here this morning? You know, you, you, maybe it's a business, maybe it's, I don't know what it could be for you, but we're on this journey and we have this desire and this dream to get there, but it's not the road or the pathway that we thought we were going to walk along. Paul's in the same situation right here. He couldn't foresee this, but nonetheless, he's going to the city of his dreams. He's going to this great nation, this powerful place, but he's going as a, as a prisoner. It's interesting because dreams are often free, but reality can cost you and I. <laughs> it's easy to have a dream. I mean, I remember when I was 17, I gave my life to Jesus. I had all these dreams. Oh, I want to do this and I want to, you know, and it's all good. Don't, if you're young here, don't not have dreams. But it's amazing as you start walking in that dream, how you have to pay a price. Come on now. And there's a cost to fulfilling the purpose of God over our lives. And it's uh, also very interesting to note that in Acts chapter 23, a few chapters before Acts 27, God spoke to Paul and said to Paul, listen, you're, you're going to Rome, Paul. I'm going to send you to Rome. So he always knew he was going. God spoke very clearly to him and said, you're on your way, Paul. You are going to go to that city. I will take you there. But then in Acts 27, we find that he's a prisoner on this ship, but he's also a preacher of the gospel. Isn't it amazing when you think about this? Because Paul is... On his way to a city he always had a desire for, but he's going as a prisoner. And in Acts chapter 27, as you start to unpack the scripture, you find that Paul says to the centurion and the pilot of the ship, the owner, he says, listen, uh, don't, don't sail any further. If we pursue the course that we're on, we're going to get into a lot of trouble. We're probably going to lose the ship. Lives are going to be lost. So Paul declares this to a centurion and the, and the ship owner, the, the authority over his life at that current time. But what do they do? They ignore him. They're like, hey, buddy, this is my paraphrased version, Australian version. They're like, hey, buddy, uh, no, that's all good. You, don't forget you're a prisoner. 
uh, we know what we're doing. And, and they ignore Paul. They don't actually listen to, to Paul and his recommendation. Why? Because it doesn't make sense to listen to Paul. Just because he's a preacher, he's not a, a navigator of ships. He, he probably hasn't charted these waters. Why would they listen to Paul? That doesn't make sense. What makes sense is to stick to their nautical map. What makes sense is that they look at their maps and they've probably traveled that, the seas before and they know the course and they would have looked at the weather and gauged certain things and they know their job. They're doing what they, they were meant to do. This is a, a sailor of a ship. These are the people that know the job. But Paul comes along and says, hey, listen, um, just need to tell you, don't, don't go any further. Don't, don't do this because we're going to get into a lot of, lot of trouble and they just ignore him. And, and this actually does make sense to me that they do ignore him. Because it wouldn't make sense if they listened to him. But I want to preach to you this morning about those words. It doesn't make sense. If you take your notes, write that down. It doesn't make sense. I am no intellect. I don't know if you know guys like Ben Shapiro. Has anybody heard of Ben Shapiro? Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, he's a very a bit of a genius, a guy in America. I follow him. He's a political analyst. And uh, some people are very intellectual. I'm no intellect. As a matter of fact, I think about subjects like math. I hate math. <laughs> I mean, does anybody, anybody hate math? Just give me a wave so I can feel half normal. I detest math. I always struggle with math in school. And even today, to this day, I struggle with math. I have an accountant that does all of our, our, our ministry stuff because if it was left to me, we would be in trouble because I just can't work this stuff out. And I remember being in school. And, uh, you know, you're sitting in school and they're, they're giving you these exams and, and, you know, you're like four plus eight. Or no, what about this one? You know, where you got these stupid little stories where, you know, Jenny has eight apples. They take three apples away. How many apples does Jenny have? I don't know. Why has she got apples? The, 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 and then so I'm in school reading this stuff. It, it just didn't make sense to me. I just couldn't compute it in my brain. And then some moron came up with, uh, well, you know, numbers belong in, you know, the numerical table and letters belong in the alphabet, but some moron came up with this brilliant idea to let's blend letters and numbers because that's going to help a whole lot of people. They called it algebra, whatever it is. And I remember, like, seeing this stuff, it was just so confusing to me. A plus C equals ZY 148. <laughs> I mean, I used to curse these things. And I'm like, the funny thing is, my oldest daughter who's 16 literally has my math brain. And I'm like, I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> like, she's really not good at math. And uh, she's actually in this thing called essential math, which is like the bottom of math. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, don't worry about it. You've got gifts in other areas. It's all good. <laughs> but there's a lot of things in life that don't make sense. There's a lot of things that just are hard to to work out they're hard to figure out and this story here is an amazing story because Paul is a preacher who happens to be a prisoner and he's telling these guys don't sail any further but they don't listen to him because it doesn't make sense to listen to a guy who happens to be a preacher but is a prisoner 
And it's a question that needs to be asked of our own lives that we can be led by our senses and or by the Spirit and the Word of God. And too often as Christians, what we are led by is our natural senses. These men are being led by their natural senses, but they have someone in Paul who is telling them something that actually doesn't make sense to them. But if they heeded the advice, if you continue reading in the story, you end up finding out that they do hit a, they end up in shipwreck. Nobody loses their life, but they end up in a whole lot of drama because they did not listen to this guy who didn't have the experience necessarily, but he had the voice of God. And often in our lives as we're journeying in faith, there's things that don't make sense. But I find as we serve God and read the word of God, there's so much about what God says actually doesn't really make sense. And there's a challenge for the church, individually in our families, in our marriages, maybe have a business in the church itself, where we are led by our experiences. And just follow me with this. What happens is we have a bit of success in life. And we're now led by data, information, history, experience. So we look at the figures, we look at the data, we look at the information, we look at all the history. And what we do is we feed off the information, which now determines and can dictate our decisions moving forward. Are you hearing me this morning? Because this makes sense. The information, the data, the history, the experience... These things make sense to us and what can happen if we're not careful, we allow these things to dictate and determine our decisions moving into the future because they do make sense to us. Now, I'm not telling you to throw out all of that stuff. That's called stupid. We need to keep it there. But what happens, I think, too much in the church, especially in the Western world, some of you may not know, but these days I have the privilege of traveling around the world, preaching the gospel in many continents and contexts and cultures. And I find in the Western world, there's a big problem with this. We feed off all of this stuff. But God is saying, hey, what about my spirit and what about my word? Because what I'm trying to show you is it's often not going to make sense to you. Again, don't throw it out. Use this information, but if it's dictating our decision-making process, we have the potential to get our lives into a bit of drama. But if we understand that God is wanting us to live by his spirit and by his word, what happens is we start to enlarge our capacity to realize and have faith at whole new levels in what God is saying and who he is. Amen. Because the Bible says we are called... That's a Christian word if you're new to church. Called means basically this. God knows you, everything about your life. Knows your gifts, your talents, knows all your shortcomings. But he has his hand on your life. And he wants to be in this relationship so he can lead you and guide you. That's what called means. We have been called by God to walk by faith and not by... Come on. We've been called to walk by faith and not by sight. So this is something that God has ordained for every Christian believer, not just for the pastor or the preacher or whoever else. It's for every person that walks with Jesus Christ and surrenders our lives to him. He says, listen, I know you've been living this way, but now I want you to walk by faith. Now, this is where the challenge comes because everything I find that God says and does, doesn't make sense to me. Can can I go through a few things that don't make sense? Are you ready? This is is my relationship with God. And and I read these things, I look at my own life, I'm like, man, 
what is your problem? <laughs> Can't you make it a little bit more, you know, sensey for me? But faith is not natural sense. So what about this? As I just mentioned, it doesn't make sense to listen to Paul over the pilots. That's called stupid, naturally speaking. It doesn't make sense for Abraham to leave what he knew, the place that he knew, to go to a place that God would show him. That doesn't make sense. What would make sense is if God said, Abraham, leave what you're doing. And by the way, he wasn't a single guy, you know, just with one bag of clothes. He had a whole lot of livestock. He had family. This was a big deal to uproot everything and get on a journey with a whole bunch of animals and people and family and walk and just walk and walk and walk. And they did not know where they were going until God showed them. That doesn't make sense. What would make sense is if God said, listen, uh, Abraham, maybe he said it to us. Hey, listen, I I want you to move from, are we in Mount Riverview? I want you to move from Mount Riverview to the Riff. Uh, The Riff, mate. Come on, the Riff. That that makes sense, right? Like, move from here to Penrith. That makes sense because he's telling you where to go. So you know where Penrith is. You're just down the hill a little bit from where we are. And you get there and you're like, great, this is where God said. This is Penrith. It's a location. Okay, let's set up camp here. That makes sense. But God doesn't do that with Abraham. He says, uproot everything that you have and leave the place that you know and go and walk. And when, I, when you get there, that's when I will tell you. Man, that's weird to me. Let's keep going on here. It didn't make sense for Elijah. He poured water all over the sacrifice to make the miracle more challenging. If you know that story, and there's a whole bunch, I think around 400 prophets of Baal, and there's a contest going on between Elijah, this man of God, and these prophets, and they, they're calling out to their God to burn up the offering. And if you read the story, Elijah gets a little bit cheeky. It's like, hey, dude, maybe your God has gone to the toilet. <laughs> That's what it says. Maybe he's a little bit busy at the moment. Keep going, keep digging, keep cutting yourselves. He'll probably turn up soon. But how many know this, this doesn't make sense to grab a whole bunch of water? Now, I don't know how much water it is, but apparently it was gallons and gallons and gallons of water that Elijah pours all over this offering. Then he calls down fire, fire and water. Hmm, don't mix. <laughs> this, this stuff doesn't, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for David to represent his whole nation in combat against a killing machine with a few rocks and a sling. That, that doesn't make sense that David would get to this battlefield and run out to that dude, Goliath. And my, again, paraphrase Aussie version, runs out onto the field and says, hey, big boy, it's your day to come down. It's over for you. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Why not get the best elite trained warrior? But no, just some shepherd boy with a few bits of rock and a little bit of a sling. And David runs out and takes down this giant and it doesn't make sense for Joshua to walk around Jericho with a brass band (laughs) maybe it was a jazz band I don't know it could have been heavy metal who knows but you know the story right The, the band was first at the front of the line and they were told not to say anything for the seven days don't whisper a word even that doesn't make sense how hard would it be to not talk for seven days I'm a preacher. I like to talk. I think I'm going to fail that in that seven days. I'm saying something to somebody somewhere. Seven days, don't say anything. And on the seventh day, pull out the tambourine, 
grab the shofar, grab a few flags. <laughs> you know, the wavy ones back in the day, you know, come on. Play the drums, play the sax, just get in it, but smash out the music because that's how you're going to dominate the city. That does not make sense. I'm no warrior. I've never been to war, but that doesn't compute in my brain. Why wouldn't you go in with the soldiers and, the, and all the artillery first? That's not how God operates. See, so much about what he does doesn't make sense to our natural paradigm. Let me keep going just because I just want to help us this morning to understand to walk by faith with God often does not make sense. And too many times Christians are trying to make sense of God and trying to make sense of all that he says and what, he, what he's articulated in the word of God. But what happens if we try to make sense of all of this, we don't live out in the purpose of God. And here we find another one where, you know, it doesn't make sense that Jesus told the rich young ruler to give everything he has to the poor. That, that's, that's weird. <laughs> Like I, I class myself as a little bit of an evangelist and if some rich guy come up to me and, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to tell him to give everything up. I'm going to tell him first, hey, man, come receive Jesus and I'm going to love him a little bit. I'm going to help him. I'm going to disciple him because he's got a whole lot of money. Come on now. <laughs> Don't look at me like you're all spiritual. I'm going to just, you know, bring this guy in slowly but surely, disciple him, care for him, love him. And then when it gets to the time, hey, by the way, one of the things that when you follow Jesus is you've got to give everything up. But Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't do the evangelism methods that we have today. You know, do the course and walk them through the journey. No, he just says, hey, buddy, okay, cool. You want to follow me? Give everything you have, everything, to the poor. Then come follow me. That does not make sense. What about some of the words that Jesus says? He says, it doesn't make sense to me. Look, this is what I, I'm just telling you, this doesn't compute in my brain. He taught, if you, must, if you want to be great, well, become the servant of all. You want to be great? Become the servant of all. That doesn't compute in my brain. If I want to be great, I'm going to control, manipulate, dominate. <laughs> That's the world's mentality. But Jesus says, no, you want to do something significant, something great in life, then become the servant of all. It doesn't make sense to me how the Bible says it's better to give than receive. No, that is not true. It's better to receive than to give. Come on now, some of you are looking at me, ah, that's what Jesus says. No, you're not hearing me this morning. That doesn't make sense. What Jesus is saying, give. When you give of your finance, give of your gifting, talents, what God has given to you, you give that away. Jesus said it's better to do that than to receive. That is mind-blowing. It is way better naturally speaking. It makes a whole lot more sense to me when somebody is giving to me. Because isn't it like this? You know, again, I'm not great at math, but if I give Clive $50, doesn't that make me $50 poorer? <laughs> I'm not a math genius, but that's kind of how it would work if you look at it naturally. But God says, no, no, when you give the $50, Dan, that is better than receiving it. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's just weird to me. Let, me. let me just keep going. Some of you haven't caught this yet. It doesn't make sense how Jesus told you want to be first. Well, get on the back of the line. What? You mean I'm going to get... I hate lines. I'm a pastor. Man, talk to any pastor. They're all the same. They hate lines. I hate lines. I don't want to line up. I'll do anything to get to the front of the line. You know when you go to conferences? Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocking, eh? I'll do anything to get to the front of the line. I don't want to get to the back. What 
are you saying, Jesus? Hang on, if I, if I go to the back, that means I'm first. But isn't it if I'm at the first, at the front of the line, doesn't it mean I'm first? This, this, doesn't, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you must lose it. That doesn't compute in my brain. Can you see how there's a tension for us as the people of God to walk by faith? Because so much about what God teaches and what he says in his word doesn't make sense. Hence why the pilot and the centurion did not listen to Paul. Because naturally speaking, it didn't make sense to listen to Paul. He's just a preacher who happens to be a prisoner. But because they don't listen to him, naturally speaking, it didn't make sense. But if they had to listen to him, they would have avoided a whole lot of drama in life. And sometimes when it comes to walking by faith, we've got to understand that God is not a God who makes sense often to us. What he teaches in the word, it's, it's, a, it's an assault on our natural senses. It's something we wrestle with. Now I'm going to give you two quick things because I've got 10 minutes and 38 seconds. I've got about eight things, by the way. <laughs> but we'll just give you two. <laughs> Maybe one. We'll see how we go. You see, walking faith out is a challenge. You know, it's a challenge for us because I think we need a generation of faith. We need to be a generation of faith. Honestly, I think the world needs people that are going to stand tall, generation of faith that are going to believe in Jesus Christ, in his word. We're not just going to sing the songs. We're not just going to read the words, but we're going to say, God, if this is how you've asked me to live, I'm going to walk on this road, even though it may not naturally make sense to me. I know you are God and I know your word is true. And so by faith... I'm going to walk with you, God. But the reason this is challenging, I think, is because there's two major things. One is fear, and the other one is doubt. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 43, just talking about fear for a few moments, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. The Bible says here, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Does anyone remember the song, fear not? Come on. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, I, come on, man, sing it. Do the Lord. Let's go to I have redeemed you. I've child, you are mine. When you walk through the waters, I'll be there. And through the, you will not be burned. You will not, come on, be For I am with you. Oh, man, you put this on video, don't you? <laughs> Damn it. Ah, I forgot you. Ah, oh, man, delete that. Oh, it's live stream. Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> Some of the younger folk in here, if you just looked around and see, saw everyone that was singing that, you're just looking at a bunch of fossils. <laughs> it was particularly coming loud from this section right here. 
They were like, man, some of you were like, let's go back to those days. <laughs> Forget this. Ooh, la, la. What is that, man? Like, <laughs> uh, I think Phil Pringle wrote that, didn't he? Somebody wrote that back in the day. Well, but look, I, I, just, I know it's a mucking around, but I used to sing that as a kid. But I never really understood the power of what the words were actually saying. Now I do. Because you know, if you live a little bit of life, you follow God, things don't go your way. Like Paul as a prisoner on a ship. There's things in my own life I've had to navigate that I was pursuing and thinking it was going to go one way, but it's a completely different way. And fear has tried to grip my heart. And looking back on songs like that, you start to realize, wow, the power of a revelation of understanding that God has redeemed your life, that God's hand is upon you, causes you not to fear. And so you continually walk in faith because the antithesis to faith is fear. And a lot of Christians live in fear, fearful of doing something for God, fear of failure, fear of man. And this fear paralyzes us. I remember my brother... I used to flat with him before we got married and I walked in my door one day after work and, and uh, when you walked in the front door there was a, just a section where you put your shoes and straight away you walked, hit these stairs and they go up to the rooms. So I walk in, open the door and there's my brother sitting on the bottom stair and as I walk in and look at him he's like shh and I'm like what? What's going on? He's like shh, shh, shh. I'm like dude what's up? He's like look up there. I'm like tripping out a little bit, but I look up at the top of the stairwell and there's a huge huntsman. <laughs> like massive. You know, come on, we all live in Australia and you live in the Blue Mountains, you've got the big ones. You, you know those really ugly... Mm, from leg to leg, it was something like that. That's no exaggeration. It's probably like, oh, maybe that. Maybe that, I don't know. It was huge. And he's looking at me and he's, he's like, look at the spider. And I'm like, dude... How long have you been here? There's no word of a lie. He was there for three and a half hours. Because how many know the only thing worse than seeing a spider like that is when you don't see the spider? <laughs> you, do, you know what I'm Because now you're like, he's probably in my room. He's hanging above my bed waiting for me to go to sleep. So you just come down, latch onto my nose and bite me. So you don't want to lose sight. But I never forgot that because he sat there for three and a half hours, paralyzed, by something that was so minute. And sometimes as Christians, what we do when God is asking us to walk out our life of faith, because often it doesn't make sense, fear can paralyze us and stop us from walking out the plan and the purpose of God. But there is something great about an individual, a marriage, a life, a church that will believe God for the impossible, that will get on the pathway of faith and see all that God has and grab his hand, walk with him as you journey in your life of faith. When we live by faith is when we see miracles. But it's difficult because fear has this way of latching onto our hearts and Last thing is this, is doubt. If I could have the team come up, that would be great. You did great, by the way. Great song. Um, what was the song? Fear not. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was a good song. I liked it. Um, what was I saying? Oh, thank you. Don't question me. I know what I'm doing up here. Oh. <laughs> uh, Actually, that was good communication feedback, Clive. You're the only one that passed. 
everybody else, they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> the, thing, uh, the thing we wrestle with uh, another area of life is doubt when it comes to walking by faith. And it's interesting to me because if you look at doubt, you see it stemming all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It's one of the things the devil said to Eve was, did God, you know, Eve, did God really, did he actually say not to eat of that? Did he, did he, did he really say that? Can you see the seed of doubt that was sown all the way back in the Garden of Eden, which caused Eve to question? And there's something about Christians that can doubt the omnipotence of God can doubt the omniscience of God can doubt his omnipresence there's something in our human nature that can doubt did God is he really able to do what he said he could do I'm just telling you this is how I wrestle this out this life of faith I wrestle this out but the beautiful thing about doubt is I want you to write this down if you can because doubt is not unbelief it's not unbelief Doubt is a state of mind in suspension between faith and unbelief. Let me say that again. Doubt's not unbelief. Doubt is this state of mind that we find ourselves in, in suspension between faith and unbelief. And a lot of Christians can doubt. Can God really? Can He really heal my marriage? Can God really... Help me walk through this depression, this area of life I'm struggling with. Can God really perform a miracle in my business? Can God actually do these, these things? There's this thing called doubt that we wrestle with as Christians. And so much about what God does and says, it, it really doesn't make sense to us. If you, if you dig into the Word of God, so much of it doesn't compute, naturally speaking. And we've got to be a generation in our individual lives and our marriages and our households to understand that we have a whole lot of information and data and history and experience and some form of success, but don't feed all of this information and make the decisions off that. But I want to be a, a Christian who is led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That even though it may not make sense to me, I'm going to continually walk with God because He is the God of the impossible. He is the God that can work miracles. And you may ask, oh, how do you, what's the application? Here's, here's my application for you. It's simply the, the hearing of the word and the doing of the word. I know some of you are like, well, what else is there? <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Bible says faith will come to you and I by what? By hearing. Hearing what? The word. Faith doesn't come by scrolling through Instagram. Faith doesn't come by reading Facebook. Faith doesn't come by scrolling through Twitter. It doesn't come by watching a whole bunch of shows on Netflix. I'm not against any of these things. I have Instagram. I use social media. So don't see it as a, I'm condemning that. I'm trying to make a point to us. That faith isn't generated from these things. Faith isn't generated even necessarily from sitting down and listening to a good podcast. Faith is generated and comes to you and I 
by the hearing of the word. And when I hear the word of God, I receive the word. And then I walk away and apply the word to my life. What happens is it generates faith. It allows me and enables me to see beyond circumstance. Not to ignore the situation. Not play, you know, put the head in the sand and say, no, it's not all happening. No, you can acknowledge the situation, realize it's, it's actually happening. But you go to the word of God and you allow the faith that is wrapped up inside God's word to penetrate your mind and your heart. And as we do this as believers, as Christians, I go to the word. When I go there, it generates faith. No longer fear can hold a grip on my life. It doesn't grip my life anymore. No longer doubt when my brain is like, oh, can God do? Did he say? No, no. When I go to the word of God, I realize that he is the only true God. There is no other God but Jesus Christ. And I don't know about your life this morning, but I do know this, that I want to walk by faith. But I also know that a lot of what God says doesn't necessarily make sense to me, but I'm not going to allow faith or doubt to grab my life. I'm going to go to God's word and I'm going to push and I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe for all that God has. And when you and I do this, it's when we start to see miracles on a whole new level. Amen. I mean, you think about miracles. Two years ago, I, for the first time in my life, you know how you, I'm sure you've seen videos of people that have prayed for someone to get a healing, or maybe you have seen stuff like this, but I've never seen somebody's eyes that were blind opened, like right before me. I've seen it on video, and oh man, it's incredible. A couple of years ago, I was in Rwanda in Africa, and, and we did these crusades, and, and I, they had this time for prayer and healing, and, and this guy come up who was completely blind, and and look, it wasn't about me. I, I was actually just standing to the right a bit and me and a whole bunch of pastors, we're praying. And I never forget, like, this guy was completely blind. Like, you know, can't see. <laughs> and we're praying and praying and the guy's eyes started to open. And you know you do those tests? How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> How many fingers? Man, we did that. And he's like, five, four, two. I better get that right, eh? <laughs> five. No, that, that's five. <laughs> And the guy can see it. He just starts jumping around like crazy. And I'm standing like, you know, a meter away. Because to be honest with you, I'm there and I'm the preacher and I'm doing all the things. But in my heart, I'm like, can God really do this? But when you believe God and you read his word, faith comes to you by the word. Faith comes to you by the word. Faith comes to you. It doesn't come by watching the news, reading the social media platform. It comes by the word. And sometimes in, in our Western world, a lot of Christians are lacking faith. Don't feel condemned when I say this. But when was the last time you picked up your word and dug into it? It's scary. In the Western world, we just have our Bibles and it kind of sits there. And, you know, and we wonder why sometimes we can lack faith. Because the only place it comes from is the word. The hearing of the word. Can you stand with me? My time's up. Such a joy to be with you this morning. Sometimes I feel like I'd love to just give you a big group hug. That's going to get a little bit awkward. <laughs> but I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to hand it back to Tim. And 
Look, I prayed what I'm about to pray. I prayed this when you weren't around privately. And my prayer was just, I don't know everyone's name, obviously, but I was like, God, help, help them, help me, help us. To Although things don't make sense, often, God, help us to walk this life of faith at deeper levels. That was my prayer, is that you walk away from this morning and not just think of yourself, oh, he, that guy was, he was kind of okay preacher. He, I think he said a few funny things. He couldn't sing. You know, that's not what I'm, the goal is. I really pray that something I said this morning, the Holy Spirit would, even for some of us here, bring conviction. It's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to open up a way for us to change where we make decisions. See, see, when you hear the word, you have to go away and make a decision. If you go away and say, oh, he's a good preacher, he's great, whatever, and you do nothing with it, we're in trouble. James says that, don't be hearers only, be doers. But my prayer is that you walk away and you chew over and you mull over and you think about your own life. What do I have to change in my life to continually walk at a deeper level of faith in who Jesus Christ is? Amen. I'm going to pray to that end over your life. Lord, I thank you for every situation, every household, every marriage represented, Lord, every individual standing here, Lord. And you know I pray this when nobody is around, Lord. And I do pray it again out loud that, Lord, you would help all of us in here to walk out our life of faith at deeper levels, Lord. Help us to expand our capacity to believe you, God. And those moments and those seasons, God, where it doesn't make sense. And even for some of us here, where we're walking into a new season and there is a... There is a whole lot of things we're trying to work out. And Lord, I pray that we may understand that so many of what you, so many things about what you do and say, Lord, doesn't make sense in our natural mind. But Lord, I thank you that you have called us to live by faith. And Lord, I pray over City Church that it will be a church that will dig and live out their life of faith at greater levels, at deeper levels, that we can see the miracles that you have in your heart unfold in ours. We thank you for that, Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you help all of us, Lord, to continually fall more in love with you, that we understand that you're the God of the impossible. Really quickly, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I don't know if you know Jesus, Jesus Christ this morning, but if you are here and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to give an opportunity for you to respond to Christ. My time's up, so I can't be long, but you may have come with a friend or a family member. You may have walked in off the street. I don't know how you came to be here, but I know God loves you. I know He cares deeply for you. He loves you. And if you've never made this decision to give ownership of your life to Jesus Christ, I'd love to invite you in a prayer in a moment's time. Or maybe you're here this morning, you say, Dan, listen, I, I have given my life to Christ at one point, but right now my heart is cold. Maybe it's lukewarm. You've gotten distracted by the things of the world. Been pulled to the left, maybe to the right. If you're here this morning and that's you and you know that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, can I just implore you, don't worry about who's next to you right now. It matters what God thinks. And if you're in either of those categories while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, first time decision or maybe it's a recommitment to Christ, would you write where you stand? Would you just quickly lift your hand before I hand it back to Tim? I'd love to pray for you right now. And First time decision for Jesus Christ or maybe it's a recommitment. Quickly lift your hand this morning. It's going to pray for you and believe for God to enter your heart and change you forever in Jesus' name. It's quickly lifted as I look around the auditorium. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you this morning. 
We honour you, Jesus. Can everyone just lift your hands the last few moments? Come on, just lift your hands. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts, for all that you're unfolding in our lives, Lord. We thank you for what is laying ahead of us. Lord, we're grateful for the past, but Lord, we are more loyal to our future. And Lord, we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe that you are the God of the impossible. We believe that you are the only true God. And this morning, Jesus, we want to honor you afresh with our lives. We want to praise you. We want to thank you. We want to exalt your name because you are worthy. You are worthy of all our praise. If you believe that, can you give Jesus a good clap and a good shout of praise in Jesus' name? God bless you.